Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the school committee meeting of September 22nd, 2022. We are returning from executive session where we were meeting for the purposes of discussing strategy with respect to collective bargaining units A and E. And we are now returning to host the meeting. Uh, as we get going, I wanted to start with a moment of silence for Mr. Michael C. Lochran Sr., who was a school committee member and recently passed. thank him and his family for his decades of service. And I actually connected with um, Mike Lochran Jr., who is on our select board and formerly was a uh, chair of the uh, school committee as well. And I asked him just to, to share just a little bit more about his, his father and his service. And, and Mike shared with me that his father actually served on the school committee twice. He served his first time until he moved out of town and then served again when he returned to Canton two years later. Uh, that's when he was asked to run again, and he chose to. He was also a middle school English teacher in Norwood, and um, he spent his lifetime in Norwood, but fell in love with contract bargaining, and he ended up at Suffolk, Suffolk Law School and served not only for the schools, but other schools eventually working with various leaders and school committee members to find common ground on many contracts as an attorney representing school interests. Uh, one of the quotes told to Mike by a former law partner about negotiating was, this is a problem to be solved, not a battle to be won. And he said that his dad uh, uh, deeply valued his, his time serving Canton in so many roles and uh, certainly will be sadly missed. And we, um, first of all, thank uh, Mike Lochran for sharing that with us and again, Michael um, Lochran Sr. for his service. Deeply saddened by the news. Moving on to the first uh, real item on our agenda, which would be D, that's the superintendent report. I'd like to ask Thank Superintendent Fallen to give us an update. Thank you. Thank you. So in continuing our introductions with our new administrators, uh, I mentioned her name last meeting, uh, but we have the pleasure of having Ms. Danielle Kay and our new loose team chair here. And Danielle, I'd like to invite you forward. In addition uh, to that, I'd like to invite our loose principal, Yeshi Lamore, uh, to introduce Ms. Kay. So welcome. Thank you. All right. Good evening, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with all of you. So I have the unique honor of introducing Mrs. Danielle Kay, the new Student Services Administrator for the Loose Elementary School. <coughs> Mrs. Kay has been in education in various capacities for 21 years. She's very familiar with teaching. She has taught every grade at the elementary level, with the exception of grade four in kindergarten. She has also served as a multi-language or ML teacher. She has worked in various districts from big, for example, Brockton Public Schools, to small, Pembroke, for example. In addition to her experience as a teacher, she has served as a building administrator as well. She has served in the capacity of an assistant principal and a principal. She currently lives in Easton with her husband and two children, Addison, who's in ninth grade, and her son, Brooks, who's in seventh grade. I had the pleasure of meeting Brooks, by the way. He's quite an awesome guy. Additionally, she has a profound love for animals. She has a dog, three cats, 
and 13 chickens. <laughs> Again, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you all to Mrs. Danielle Kay. Thank you for having me. Um, the 13 chickens really wasn't my idea. That would be my husband's. Um, he said he'd feed them, but obviously, guess what lands on. Um, so thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet all players at the table, so I appreciate you having me here tonight. Um, everybody's been so warm and welcoming. So. That's well, thank you. The thank things you. we do for love. Um, it's great to hear that you've got a common uh, interest in chickens. I believe we had a uh, chicken hatching um, social viral uh, community builder at the Loose just last year. So even when you weren't um, with us, I think there were some connections. But we're, we're really thrilled with your background and the fact that you chose Canton. And we think you're going to have a fantastic experience at the Loose. So big welcome from us. And thank, thank you for you being here tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank welcome. Okay. All right. Continue on with a few other items or highlights. So we held as a district uh, a 9-11 uh, remembrance. Uh, the anniversary, 21st anniversary of the 9-11 tragedy fell on, on Sunday. So it was observed on Friday, September 9th in our schools. Um, it's really important. Always reach out to our fire and police chief. Uh, always being thoughtful about our medical personnel. Uh, so that was a sad and tragic day that we all experienced. And one of the things that uh, we know, the the phrase that's often associated with it is to never forget. It's even so important now uh, because we have a generation of students that were not born uh, when it when it happened. So that's a, a key historical event um, and quite impactful. Uh, and there was a, a, a heroic element uh, that was true to recognize as well. Uh, so we do that every year uh, in our own little ways uh, within the schools. Thank you, folks. As uh, going in the entrance downstairs, there's a number of uh, jerseys that are hung, and one of them is Michael Giuliano, uh, number 10. He uh, died in the attacks. We remember him uh, you know, as one of us here in Canton. Um, also want to thank, as a yearly tradition, Chief Judy reaches out uh, for students to participate in the town uh, remembrance of 9-11, and Anthony Wang and Allie Costa participated this year. Uh, and we just really, really appreciate our student involvement in that ceremony, very important ceremony. This week we had a, a CHS assembly. It was sponsored by CASA, by Canton Association of uh, uh, Canton Alliance Against Substance Abuse. And uh, they brought forward Chris Heron. Uh, Chris Heron, uh, I was telling the folks, someone I watched playing basketball growing up around my age, played for Durfee. Um, went on to earn a scholarship at Boston College and ended his career at Fresno State and made it to the NBA playing for the Celtics in, in Denver Nuggets. Um, I watched his story very closely. There's books written about him. Uh, and his story is ultimately uh, he engaged with substances through high school, elevated uh, at the college level. Um, and he will openly tell you that uh, he is an addict and he's been in recovery, I think it was for 14 years, he noted. Um, we had him here at Canton High School 10 years ago. Um, he has since changed his presentation. It really tells a story in a video. And what I, what I loved about Chris, uh, and he spoke to our 11th and 12th graders, is he asked for a little bit more intimate setting, so fewer number of students versus whole school assembly. Uh, and he flips the script now a little bit. 
on the messaging because oftentimes when you hear someone that has gone through addiction, uh, has survived that, has recovered, uh, has sobriety, they often tell their story, which is their, uh, once the video ended, he really looked at all of our students and he has quite a presence and he just said, I'm actually here to talk about you. Right? Here to talk about you. And his phrase was, we often talk about with addiction, we talk about the worst day versus the first day. And the first day is, could be something that you're participating in now, or trying out now, or engaging in now, or you're addicted to something now. Um, and your story is something that is really powerful, and I want you to reflect why it is, and your life circumstances, and what you might be having in your family. Um, so he really, really connects with that. He has shared uh, verbally emails and impact that he's had. Um, but it was quite a lasting message. I had a meeting today with Mr. Sperling and he said multiple students are, are still talking about it because it touches you from different angles uh, around your household, relatives, themselves personally. Um, so it was a really powerful, powerful assembly. I loved how Chris Heron has revised his message to truly uh, embed itself within the students. Um, and as Mr. Sperling said, we gotta work now and continue to think about how we keep the ball in the air and keep that thinking alive and how we bring parents into that conversation as partners and, and support for students. So thank you to CASA, thank you for Mr. Sperling who booked that last year. Uh, it was a very powerful experience that happened here. Uh, this month we also celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, it's observed annually from September 15th to October 15th. It's a time to appreciate and celebrate the cultures, rich histories and diversity of our American Latino community and this year's theme is Inclusivity for a Stronger Nation. Uh, we are also offering our Canton Board of Health in conjunction with our nursing team a number of vaccines for flu and for COVID boosters. So all the information is in the report here. It's also online and we're going to be sending it out as reminders. So that is a, a service that we are continuing to provide. Uh, and I did see some news, uh, some suggestions from doctors, the flu vaccine is something sometimes we might get a little deeper into the fall. They're suggesting that we, we get that a little earlier on. Uh, indicators of excellence. Uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful community event uh, last Friday, and that was uh, the opening of the CHS bleachers, the new CHS bleachers, which are ADA compliant, have a lot of um, upgrades, uh, and it was wonderful just to be able to get that crowd. This is a project that has been in the works for multiple years. Actually, it was approved just prior to COVID. Um, and a lot had to go on pause and a lot of town and school work had to happen to make this uh, come to fruition. They were torn down after graduation was done. That's when the project started. And we, we feel very uh, fortunate to be able to bring this to fruition considering materials, construction time, all of the elements that go within it. Uh, and to, we had set a target of this September 16th game as being the opening point. Uh, and we were able to get the occupancy permit uh, for the particular area, not yet for the press box. There is a wheelchair lift that has to get approved. There's more fencing and other items that are gonna be done, but um, we believe in excellence in all of our, our facilities and our environments and our experiences, so this was wonderful. Just wanna name some folks who have been in meetings and really made different things happen along the way, and that's Athletic, Dan Athletic Director Danny Erickson, uh, Brian Lynch, our Facility Director, we have our Director of Finance and Operations, Steve Marshall, Building Renovation Committee Chair, Bob McCarthy, and our Town of Canton Building Inspector, Ed Walsh, really held our contractors accountable. 
uh, but also made sure that there was a really clear path on getting this done. Uh, so we are super excited about having this come to fruition. There's a lot of work that still needs to happen, but it was a wonderful community event. And because I love field hockey, I have to mention that the first team that was on it and using the bleachers, because I saw them down there, was the field hockey team, and then the football game came second. So a little shout out to the field hockey team. Uh, National Arts and Education Week, just a, a little bit of this display here. Uh, we know we have a very vibrant uh, arts department, so it's great to see their work and engaging uh, already early on in the school year. Uh, and then the last two are Norfolk County District Attorney event. Uh, Michael Morrissey holds this annually, uh, and it's all the, all the districts in Norfolk County, and they go through their programming and grants. So a contingent of us went, Ms. Bouchard was there, uh, and it was a really nice opportunity to see the programming that's, that's offered. A lot of it we've engaged with. Um, Dr. Muse did present uh, on, and he's our school doctor, he did present on the Handle with Kia program that we have talked about here and have reviewed. We are adopting that and we're working with the Canton Police Department. The long and the short of it is, uh, Handle with Kia is a mechanism, communication mechanism, that brings uh, anything that might happen outside of school hours, if students face some direct or indirect trauma in their life, if they see something, something happens in their household, neighbor, anything like that, it's, it's a recognition that we all have responses to different experiences, and trauma can come in high levels, pronounced levels, or really underlying levels, and it affects your behavior during the day, it affects your ability to stay awake, attentive, or respond how you might want to do that. So this has been uh, implemented in many other towns, and uh, we have staff that have been involved with it, but essentially a staff member, an educator, would get a notice that uh, so-and-so, please handle with care. There's no information about the incident. There's nothing more than that, just to kind of keep out an eye out for the student because they may not be themselves, and they may not. And rather than turn it into a disciplinary issue, it's probably, it's a, it's a way to get support uh, and to recognize that. So it's appreciated, it's something that, uh, that communication flow is, is incredible, and I've talked a lot about it with Chief Rafferty and the team. Uh, so we're looking forward to bring that here. And the next one is, uh, I think you've heard me talk multiple times about uh, the impact on vaping on our, on our adolescents. Uh, it was a surge uh, into, into school culture and adolescent culture right before COVID. The governor shut down any shop that was selling vape materials, if everyone uh, remembers that before, all the shutdown happened with COVID. Uh, and it probably only got exacerbated during COVID times. And it, it's a very, very terrible, terrible experience for kids to get involved with. Um, it's, it can be nicotine, and that is way more powerful right now than a regular cigarette would be. And it's also uh, a, a vehicle and mechanism for uh, to vape marijuana or various different types of drugs. It's definitely a gateway activity for addiction. Uh, Chris Heron mentioned it, uh, about how concerned he is about that trend that's happening there. And it's not a safe alternative for anything. And it's highly addictive and highly impactful health-wise. So with that being said, uh, we received an offer like every, every school in Massachusetts to engage uh, in a webinar with BU, have done a, a number of research with regard to this and essentially help uh, through the schools, through different programming, how do we get students who are addicted to vaping 
how we get them off of it and intervene. Uh, and what else can we do proactively uh, to work with students and to work with families so that it doesn't become the product of someone's life. I can tell you vaping undermines school culture. Um, there's a certain percentage uh, of students and it's a high percentage that are engaged in it. Um, and it's, it's something that I'm pleased with the fact that the great majority of the students don't have that tolerance for it anymore. Um, but it takes people out of the classroom, it turns the bathrooms into a gathering area, and it's just simply a very unhealthy element. And we wanna work and make sure our kids are positioned to be the best that they can be, and you have to be healthy for that to happen. So we're working as a team to attend this workshop and learn more about it and offer our programming with it. So moving now and finishing up with some important dates, just a reminder that we have our first half day tomorrow. Uh, and then September 26th, there's no school in honor of Rosh Hashanah. October 5th, there's no school for Yom Kippur. On October 6th, we come back with our school committee meeting at 6 o'clock. On October 10th, no school for Columbus Day. October 20th is the school committee meeting. And then October 21st is the early release day for pre-K to 12. And that's my report. Thank you. Thank you. That report was chock full of uh, really great information and, and tributes. I do appreciate um, the detail. I know Ms. O'Halloran was able to see firsthand the bleachers. <laughs> Can you report? Yes. So they're beautiful. They're <laughs> comfortable. But the thing that really struck me the most was the space when you go up on them, the space um, in front where it used to be just a very narrow walkway, mm -hmm. and now it's much broader, so people are, can actually go both ways. You don't need to move to the side. There's a the flow of traffic that's, that's clear. But right. It's a wonderful. tremendous resource for the entire community, and this is a million-dollar project yep. and a, a tremendously huge effort. So I want to celebrate that, as, along with everything else that you happened to mention. But sure. what, what a wonderful thing to be able to open those bleachers and do it at the beginning of the school year. Yes. And they'll be well used again this weekend. I'm sure. Football game tomorrow night and both the soccer games, soccer okay. evening on Saturday for boys and girls. Right. It's good. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, the next item on our agenda is item E, the teaching and learning report. We have Ms. Shannon with us this evening to give us an update on professional learning councils. In your packet is a copy of our new professional learning catalog. So um, I wasn't sure that people had seen that at the end of last year, so I wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to, to look through that. Um, so as you know, last year marked a shift in professional learning in Canton, where we started the Professional Learning Council. And this is a group of educators, administrators across the district all levels are represented, units A and E are represented, um, and it's been a fabulous group of people who have come together who are really committed to learning as adults and to gathering staff input to help make learning better in Canton for the adults. We always focus on learning for students, but we're starting to really focus on what learning, high quality learning looks like for adults as well. Um, and so having this diverse group of folks has really allowed us to expand our thinking and our practice. And so we're hoping that this year, and we'll continue to gather feedback over the course of the year, hope that this year people feel like their voices have been heard and that their experiences are really good experiences. 
So at the end of last year, we produced the professional learning catalog that you have in your hands. Um, we shared that with staff in June and then again at the start of the school year. And our goal with the catalog is to capture a whole lot of things. We wanted to capture the philosophy of professional learning in Canton, to share the feedback that we gathered from staff through both the surveys and the focus groups so that you could see how their voice was translated and then implemented. And we also wanted to capture themes for professional learning for, the, for this year, the clearly outlined calendar of learning on our early release days, additional learning opportunities that happened over the summer and will happen throughout the year like after school and things. And then we added all things that happen on an individual level with regard to professional learning. So things like course approval and reimbursements, our Curry College partnership, and how to engage in um, license advancement and renewal, which is a really important part of our professional practice as educators. If basically, we wanted this to be one-stop shopping for everybody in the district, so that if they had a question about professional learning or advancement, they knew where to go. This was created, handed out, and then we started actually doing some of the work that is highlighted in that catalog. Um, we actually have a theme for professional learning for this year, and it's based on the work and the feedback that we receive from teachers and our district goals. And so our theme this year is getting to high quality teaching, learning, and leading. And the theme resonates with individual people, with departments, with schools, with administrators. And it's directly tied to several of our district goals, including our equity goal, our culture and climate goal, our data goal, and then our creating a vision for high quality teaching, learning, and leading goal. But we didn't wait until September to start the learning. We actually held several professional learning events over the, over the course of the summer. I think I said that wrong, so we didn't wait till September to start. We started over the summer. Um, so this summer we had teachers in who were designing curriculum and engaging in the curriculum review process for social studies and world language. Each school sent a team of teachers to a restorative justice training. We had Suffolk University here twice over the course of the summer and they, they did that work. And teachers at all grade levels took advantage of some math professional development that McGraw-Hill offered online for the new Reveal Math program. Um, elementary teachers actually came in and started to dig into the math and get ready for the start of the school year. And we ran some pilot book clubs and we have received some really good feedback about those. So now that we're back in session, some of our more traditional um, professional learning is about to begin. Tomorrow is our very first early release day. But in anticipation of today, we actually held our department coordinator and team leader retreat uh, about a week and a half ago, actually. Um, and we're gonna hold four of them over the course of the year. But we've worked with all of our instructional leaders at all levels to really continue that work of what is high quality adult learning and how do we create a culture of thinking and rethinking in Canton. We grounded our day in a chapter from Adam Grant's book, um, Think Again, chapter 10, if anyone's interested, which is entitled, It's How We Have Always Done It. 
because we want to start thinking again about how we've always done things. And as a result, I will tell you, I looked today at all of the agendas for all of the professional learning that's happening tomorrow afternoon, and it's amazing. Every single agenda is what I would consider a well-designed, very thoughtful, very purposeful example of high-quality adult learning. Um, all of our elementary teachers and then our secondary folks who do math will be engaged in math professional development. Rahel is actually coming um, as an elementary facilitators, and then there's a secondary facilitator. And then on top of that, um, folks are doing different things based on their departmental needs, but they're doing curriculum writing or curriculum review. They're grounding work in some really thoughtful articles and then using that really push their thinking and then using that to then apply it to their curriculum work. Um, it's really nice to see what's going to be happening in the district tomorrow. And this is just a start of what we're doing this year. Some other things that we have to look forward to are um, Suffolk is coming back. So in October and then in March, we're offering two different restorative justice trainings. Those are after school, but we're getting people signing up already for the October one. We will have an, after, an afternoon um, that is teacher-led PD that our teachers are going to sign up for and think about what they could lead for their colleagues. And we're going to continue to offer book clubs and other experiences when we can. The other thing we're doing is trying to embed professional learning. So we are continuing our work with the Teaching Learning Alliance for um, different than what we did. We've engaged with them in their leading side to do the strategic plan. They have a whole component where they support reading and writing initiatives at the elementary level. And we've been working with them, and so we're doing job-embedded professional learning for staff at the elementary level. Um, and we're, we've got a lot going on in our first meeting of the Professional Learning Council for this year is October 6th. And we've brought a few new people on board, and so we're excited to get going and see where the year takes us, but we have some really great plans and we're excited about our supporting staff in their own learning. Terrific, and I, and I have to say um, thank you for this opportunity to take a look at what I might, I thought the same thing, even the words came right out of your mouth, one-stop shop. I mean, it really looks um, quite comprehensive and engaging and the idea that uh, you know, any of our staff would be able to find uh, opportunities for development over the summer or engage in that curriculum review work, uh, you know, on and on, um, all the way over to, like you said, very easy way to understand what course reimbursement looks like so that mm -hmm. that removes any barriers for participation. This is great. Um, and then you, in the past, <coughs> talked to us about um, the real power and rationale of having um, educator-led sort of voice and choice, that agency in selecting what makes most sense to them. So it, it sounds like a lot of this follows that and they're leading the development, um, as well as, as you just mentioned, um, I, I think anytime you have the opportunity for hands-on application of what you're learning in practice in real time, I mean, as we've all experienced, like that helps really cement um, new ideas. So <laughs> fabulous and bravo. My, my question to you is, is really, um, you know, how 
are you measuring success with this program? Um, how will you know um, that you've achieved what you set out to do? Yep. And uh, what would be the plan for um, evolution, if anything? So we do feedback surveys at the end of every early release day. Um, we actually did some feedback surveys at the end of the class as well. Um, we will do a similar survey through the Professional Learning Council that we did last year to see if our data has improved and our feedback improves from last year. Um, I think those are sort of the very quantifiable and quantitative ways that we're getting some data. I think, um, you know, one of the ways that I would like to gauge some of this is, and it will take a little bit of time, but like how many people are signing up to run professional learning opportunities on our, on our teacher-driven days. Um, we're doing a half day this year because we aren't quite sure how much. My hope is that we get enough interest over time that the whole day becomes a teacher-led day. Um, so it's things like that that we're going to be gauging success. All right, so satisfaction, <coughs> engagement, and hopefully over time, you know, we see so I all boats ultimately, So actually, I would say the other thing that isn't necessarily tied to the Professional Learning Council is when we're, when we're going into classrooms and we're looking for evidence of high quality teaching, learning, and leading out of the vision that we're creating yeah. this year, we should continue <coughs> to see increased evidence of that. So it's not directly tied to the PL Council, but it is the end result of the work in the Professional Learning Council. Totally, so that's, that's the, the rising tide. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Other comments or questions from the school committee? Ms. Abelita. I have two questions. One, um, very simple one. Where can, where, where is this hosted? Where can they go to reach this information? Because yep. you already shared it, but if they wanted to go back. Yep, so if you go to our website, and you go under staff, and you go to professional learning, a picture of the cover page of the catalog shows up, and if you click on that, it opens up the whole catalog. Awesome. I'm looking at the electronic version, so I'm assuming that's the same one. So this yes. is an actionable document. People that are interested can click on there and actually get to the workshops or the interest different sessions that they might have. Uh, my second question is, do we have a target or a requirement for staff to register in some of this additional non, not the half date, professional learning development, but the ones that are offered extra as an added bonus, I guess. Um, we don't have any requirements. Those are really um, volunteer opportunities. Okay. Um, I think another piece of data that we yeah. can track over time is hopefully more and more people continue to sign up for the opportunities that happen after school or in the summer. Yeah, and if we can figure out a way to incentivize, like this is the amazing things that come out of this seminar or this session. Yeah. Or so some of that, obviously, which is the storytelling piece of why an opportunity is great. And then there's the very technical, you know, the restorative justice workshop is worth 18 PDPs. And as educators, we need a certain amount of PDPs in order to recertify, and we need them in very specific buckets. Yep. And so that qualifies as a couple of buckets. So if you're looking okay. to gain PDPs in that bucket, this is a great opportunity for you. 
So it sounds like it almost can be used as a marketing tool, internal marketing mm-hmm. tool with those benefits that are added to the trainings that are offered. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you. I think I highlighted the 18 PDPs in red. You did. <laughs> <laughs> My That's version the, of the bonbon. Yeah. <laughs> Underline and bolded. Okay. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right, keep us posted. Keep up the great work. All right, awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So our next item on the agenda <coughs> is new business, but I'd like to, based on uh, the number of people who have signed up for public comment, move item G, as is the chair's discretion, up on the agenda to allow for those folks to participate. We have one person uh, in person with us tonight, and then two people um, who should be uh, able to participate in a hybrid format. And with that, I will open up public comment and invite Ms. Teresa Wilson down to talk to us uh, with the topic being transportation and the buses. Welcome. I'm back. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my name is Teresa Wilson. I live on Aldridge Road, which is off of York Street. A fact that our bus driver doesn't know, because my daughter has to tell him where to go multiple times a week. So the topic that I signed up for is the bus crisis, because that to me is what it is. Um, we are heading into the fifth week of school. And my child has yet to have a single successful day being brought to and home from school. That's shameful. And what's more shameful is that there doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency to fix it. We don't get much communication. We don't get call back. We don't get emails returned. There is no follow through. How is that acceptable? I realize this is not a Q&A session, but at this point in time, I have very little, if any, confidence that there is the skill necessary to fix this problem. And every single one of you has a responsibility to try to move the needle closer to success week five what is going on and when will we have reliable school bus service that's it all right thank you very much we appreciate your ongoing communication with us and being here if i don't come i don't get anything back no emails, no phone calls, no follow-up. Five weeks. In the world, in the professional world, it is generally assumed that if you send an email to somebody, maybe 24 hours. I'm not even asking for 24 hours. 48, 72, within the same week? Come on. There is zero sense of urgency. 
Someone needs to own this and someone needs to fix it. No one knows who that is. Thank you. Excuse me for a second. Um, may I add to Teresa's commentary, please? I'm not sure. Oh, yes, yes. Um, um, please rise and join us and just uh, state your name and your uh, location, and then you may make your comment. As um, you make your way down, I will just um, uh, remind the viewing public that public comment allows an individual to express an opinion or share comments on an issue to be discussed on the meeting agenda and or within the school committee's authority. It's not meant to be an opportunity for discussion or dialogue between the school committee or members of the administration, but we take these comments very seriously. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Christina, for, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes. Yep. Great. Um, I just wanted to thank you for your, for your response today and your um, making yourself available to be able to speak um, on this. I just wanted to share, I've been putting together a list of parents' feedback concerns based on what I've heard. Could I, could I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, could you state your name? That works too. <laughs> <laughs> just for the rest. Absolutely. So my name is Jen Langell. Um, my daughter, my, both my daughters go to um, St. John's. My older daughter is in second grade. So we were super excited to have her start this school year. She was super excited. Non-COVID year, hopefully, right? And what's happened now is that this entire experience has been you know, overshadowed by her having to be concerned on how she's gonna get to school. Um, it's been stressful, not only for her, uh, but for us when we found out that one day we had no idea where she was because my husband was waiting at the bus stop and there was no sign of our daughter, right? And, and then we had to call Canton School District. Um, you know, we had to wait 20 minutes for when they were going to respond to us. All the while, our friend's son is on the bus. He's calling her because he was scared. Since he's old enough to be able to know where he is, they were on the complete opposite side of town and the bus driver was not communicative, the bus driver was asking them what bus they should be on. But these are things, to Teresa's point, that our children should not have to be concerned about. Um, and so again, I, I just wanna emphasize that our children should never be scared in a school setting or in a situation where they are going to or from school, right? And we should never have to be scared in those same, in those same situations. Some other parent feedback, um, a daughter was waiting at school for 45 minutes um, for the afternoon bus. This daughter had to call her mom and ask her to come pick her up. Um, I can't even imagine for like a first grader how that must be. Um, another parent said having children on buses longer than public schools, right? For St. John's students, there's been a lot of discussion on who was going to be you know, dropped off first and how that would work out. Multiple bus changes, the need for more buses, the new schedules actually made things worse, which is really unfortunate. Um, multiple attempts to discuss issues with the office that have gone answered to add, to, again, to Teresa's point. Um, I was actually just messaging with another parent saying that they um, have been emailing this office for the past two days without any response whatsoever. That is absolutely unacceptable. Again, in the business world, we expect responses within 24 hours. Um, and for our children, I would hope immediately. Um, and so, I mean, it just, it's just really upsetting that we are spending our time here talking about a service that should be something that is a standard service delivered to our town. And I have to believe that for Canton itself, I mean, our town has a great reputation, but I imagine that as people start to continue to buy homes here and move here, right, these types of feedback are gonna reach 
the public realm, right? And I think that's really important as we represent ourselves as a town. And going back to Teresa's point, I don't see any ownership. I have no idea of when the timeline is going to be for these issues to be fixed. There is no clarity on what issues have been reported, what's prioritized, what's been working on. Um, there is no timeline for the new issues, which was confirmed to me in our meeting, Derek. And so, you know, I, no one's a bad person here. This is not meant to single anyone out. But we do have roles and responsibilities in the town as parents. And this is where we have to pay attention. And so whose role and responsibility is it to be able to give us answers, a timeline? And I would love a format where we had that opportunity to have a respectful dialogue and be able to actually have a feedback loop for parents, to be able to actually have a way for parents to even understand the communication or any communication. I was looking through my email. I've seen one email coming out about bus route changes. I mean, that's unbelievable. In a situation like this, we should be getting communication, like period. So, I mean, my future concerns are this. When we sat down in, in your office last week, Derek, you know, we talked about there is no timeline, right? There are band-aids to fix this. That is not acceptable. The second piece is, is that this has not been escalated to first students management level. I don't know what the contract is, but this absolutely would warrant someone higher than a regional manager, for sure. Um, the other piece is that, you know, when will our children be able to rely on schools to be, um, school buses to be safe? How will Canton School, Di school District restore parents' faith in, in safety, right? I think that there's gonna be a long road to that given this past few weeks. And something that's more technical is that how will the implementation of First Students app impact our schools? Because we're not there yet, right? That's still more to come. Being, you know, being in the technology field for the past 20 years, overseeing projects like this from those, both the client and corporate side, it can be a nightmare, right, if those things are not done correctly. Right now we're dealing with a nightmare. I cannot imagine once that app is rolled out, based on what we've experienced thus far, that that is going to be successful. So I really, really need to understand for myself, for the community, how, when will we be getting a timeline? How will the communication roll out? And who is responsible? And, and that's really what I asked this committee for. Thank you. Thank you. Now we are going to move to our online comments. We have Ms. Mary Vickery, who is also joining, uh, and again, via hybrid, to discuss transportation. And I'm going to ask for assistance from our tech support professionals for that. And it looks like Ms. Ivanova. So we will move to Ms. Eva Inova, who also would like to speak regarding transportation. Um, Ms. Ivanova, if you can hear me, you have five minutes and the form is yours. You are on mute. Video and yeah. audio. Yeah, video and audio. You just have to unmute if you can hear me. I think she unmuted. At last. Oh. oh, yeah, I can see her now. Yeah, I can see her. She is unmuted, but um, we, cannot we cannot hear you yet.
Now we see you. We just need volume. Can you hear me? Yes. We can. We can hear you loud and clear. Please continue. She might not be able to hear us though. Yes, we can hear you. Uh, I think we're muted, and that's why she can't hear yeah, us. Just Maybe you can chat her. Please let her know that she can begin. for us 
as families. Uh, the bus still needs to do the, the route and basically it's running empty or just with few, few kids. Um, I have communicated with, um, with the superintendent and others uh, on the transportation department, my concerns, and I wanted to echo uh, the comments from previous panelists. I have not heard any solution. I, and I'm expecting and I'm urging everybody um, to act accordingly and timely. This cannot be happening third week into the school year. I have, suggest I have made my suggestions. I think this particular bus route needs to be moved up the timing. Um, I would be more than happy to discuss with anyone and if there's any way I can help resolve this issue, uh, I'm willing to help. And um, lastly, I just wanted to mention, this is not the first year that we have a school that is on a late start schedule and I'm expecting this to be resolved very shortly. I, I, I do not think that we had any problems with uh, previous schools being late in previous years. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And the final uh, commenter has not yet joined. I, I think we'll check again later just in case she was um, depending on the time targets that we had set on the agenda, just in case. But thank you all for your comments. As I said, we take them incredibly seriously. And I wanted to move them up, not only because you're here, but because we do have a transportation update on the schedule, which will allow for some discussion shortly. The next item on the agenda will be F New Business 1, which is the COVID protocols update, which is uh, also up for a vote. Welcome Ms. Nurse Leader Prashad to take us through what those protocols may be. So I have good news. The COVID protocols are now down from 24 pages to 14. So uh, we've been working on them since August when the new guidance came out both from CDC um, and the DPH and Jesse. Um, so what I'll do is highlight some of the changes and let you know what's still staying in place rather than go through them page by page. You know, we've all had enough COVID protocols. Um, so last year we had three um, different methods of testing. We did the um, at-home rapid testing program where we handed out the tests that people could use at home, um, both for students and staff. We also had the pool testing where people were tested in groups um, and it was sent out as a PCR test. And then we also did the symptomatic testing. Um, so the state is no longer recommending surveillance testing for asymptomatic people. Um, so we're going to go ahead and discontinue the pool testing as well as the at-home um, rapid te testing program. Um, tests are pretty widely available now, you can get them anywhere. Um, but we are going to continue with the symptomatic testing. Um, and again, just to go over that, that's when you come to school um, feeling well and feeling good and you develop symptoms during the day. You can go to the nurse's office and get tested. As long as you're negative, you can stay in school. Um, and as long as, of course, you don't have a fever, things like that. Um, so we will be sending out either, um, well, tomorrow or next week, the permission forms um, for parents. Uh, and guardians to fill out um, for their students as well as for staff to fill out. It's 
very simple. It's basically kind of dem demographics. It's very similar to what we did last year, um, and it'll you just fill it out once for the whole year. Um, so those will be going out. Um, so quarantine is no longer required for children or staff after an exposure, regardless of vaccination st status or where the exposure occurred. Last year we did differentiate between vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals, um, as well as where the exposure occurred. But now um, you can still come to school if you've had an exposure. You just monitor yourselves for symptoms as long as you remain asymptomatic. Um, you can still be in school. They do recommend that we have people um, mask through day 10 and also to test on day six um, after exposure. Um, again, let's see. Masking through day six, yes. Uh, uh, speaking of masks, um, things that are staying in place. So masking will still be required in the health offices. Um, anyone that comes into the health office for any reason will need to wear a mask. Um, and masks will still be required on day six through 10 after testing positive. Um, as well as after an exposure also through day 10 because you can still be infectious. Um, we're maintaining our vent ventilation strategy with the air purifiers, open windows, um, enhanced cleaning. Um, like I said, we're keeping the symptomatic testing. Um, we're also maintaining our COVID dashboard um, that's found on our website and that tracks the cases of positive cases in schools. Um, that comes out one time a week. Uh, we'll also be continuing our letters to families at the elementary level when there's been a case in a classroom. Families will be notified um, at the GMS and CHS levels. Um, staff will continue to be notified as well. Um, and also, um, if there are sports teams that have you know a cluster of cases, those parents will also um, and guardians also be notified. Um, if we have a high volume of cases in school, DESE and DPH will still consult with them um, for advice on on how to monitor the situation. And we also consult with our local board of health. And of course, um, even putting together these protocols, we also consulted with Dr. Damuse, our school physician. Uh, the testing sites are on our website still. I just updated all of those. They had changed. Um, it's always a good idea to call, though, if you're going for a PCR, just to make sure that the schedule is the same. And as Mr. Fuller mentioned earlier, um, the board of health is uh, conducting flu and Pfizer booster vaccine clinics, we're having one um, on October 15th at the Galvin and one on the 22nd at CHS and our nurses are today helping out with that. Thank you. Okay. okay, thank you very much. I think these changes are very straightforward. Obviously, the um, protocols are more concise than they once were. Did the protocols happen to have the opportunity to run through the policy committee for a review? Fabulous. Oh, that system is working. and. <laughs> Three, actually four out of the five of us right here. here. Right. 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 Is there anything else uh, members of that committee would like to share or say related to this? I think the one thing that you just mentioned, the dashboard, we had some discussion over whether the, the dashboard stayed live, and mm -hmm. I think we all felt that, that certainly that was a benefit to the community for families um, that may have more concerns about seeing the, the current up-to-date numbers. So that was something that we were in favor of keeping keeping okay. active fabulous i think i think it, that's a smart move especially heading into the fall and just the unknowns of dealing with the pandemic exactly and it wasn't required but it was something like you said that yeah. we felt was wise why not fabulous any other questions or comments no okay well thank you very much for thank being you. here i believe this requires a vote yes it does uh to adopt the updated protocols do it i have does. a motion so moved i second all in favor? Aye. It's an aye for me. That's 3-0. The protocols for, res for responding to the COVID-19 scenarios dated September 7th, 2022 are approved.
Thank you very Thanks much. So Nurse much. Leader Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So now the next item on our agenda is the transportation update. So I'd, I'd like to invite our superintendent to speak to us a bit about what has transpired and where we are now. So first I would say I would empathize with, with the parents. There's a lot of frustration here and it's, it's upside down um, in the areas where uh, we need to uh, improve. You know, what I wrote here is we have 19 buses, we have a number of solid routes that are running well, but the problem areas are incredibly uh, pronounced. Um, so what I wrote was that you know, we've seen marked improvement, um, but we are not reaching our goals and we're not at, a, at an acceptable level of service. That's the best way that I can put it at this, at this time. Our St. John's runs in particular are off and kids are arriving late and I shared that that's not an acceptable element. Uh, the C5 uh, bus is arriving a few minutes after the start of the Hanson start, but to them, as an educator, I know how important it is for a student to get to school on time, and that's really an important start. So that's a concerning element. There was a bus C13 that was late to school at the high school on a routine basis. So our work um, has been very targeted around the problematic areas where uh, either they're not arriving to the, the bus stop on time or there's patterns of, of data that are showing that they're not arriving to school on, on time. Um, and we're targeting in our work and adjustments around that. Um, we sent out a number of adjustments that we finalized. One of the challenging aspects is we have to review the runs, make sure the drivers know what, what's happening and where they're going when we make adjustments, that there's communication on their end, working with first student, and then on our end as well. Um, so there, there has not been widespread communication with, with all parties because many, many of the runs are working and are on time. Uh, we are doing some targeted communication around particular bus routes. Um, so one of the things that we went through in analysis is we added a bus, bus C19, to our fleet of services for our morning and then afternoon runs. Um, that helped greatly. The morning run, we want to maximize and have to maximize more of its use. Uh, so there'll be a notice about that bus starting a little bit earlier. It does a CHS run, uh, and it's right now the last bus to arrive. It arrived 10 minutes before the start of school, which was good, but to maximize it and help with some of the other runs that are happening, uh, we actually needed to be the first bus that arrives at CHS and to maximize that time. So we had that conversation. But adding a bus to that fleet um, within the realm of our contract was needed. Um, and it has allowed us to make some different adjustments. The second point is around the St. John, John's pickups and the, the morning drop-offs. Uh, we look at those times. I offer a sincere apology because everything that I heard tonight, I know to be true and I see it in the data and I hear it in the stories of the families. Um, we have made adjustments. We sent out an email today saying that those changes are coming and they're being, you know, timeline-wise, that email is going out tomorrow. Um, I know that the slight adjustment we made, it didn't have that impact we're looking for. Uh, ultimately, the best way I can put this is, when we started out, we had two buses that were making runs to St. John's. We will now have five buses that will be making runs to St. John, and that's 
uh, taking stops off of some other runs where we knew we had a little bit of flexibility uh, and to make that happen. We designed it this way as well because we have a half day tomorrow and then the, the, the day off on Monday. So those days are going to be used to practice the runs. I'm not saying anything's going to be perfect, but C1, C3, C5, C13, and C19 will be involved in runs now to St. John's. Uh, I did meet with Ms. Landrill. When we look at it, and there was an answer there that, that we gave, there was not an attainable run even under the most ideal circumstances. So we had to shorten these runs to make sure that times could be met and that the students get to school on time. There are always, I've learned a lot about buses and, and runs here, there are links that, that happen. And the C5 bus was bringing students to St. John's. They were late for the start of the school. And then that started a Hanson run that was late as well. And you're just not gonna get there unless you make some adjustments. This C5 run is now a shorter run that will be happening, which should cascade to the point where the C5 Hanson drop-off is there, there beforehand, before the start of school. So all the items that were targeted in these areas, uh, those emails and adjustments are coming out tomorrow. Uh, and the runs are shortened and more buses are involved. That's the key part of it. The other element that we've done, other specific bus, GMS, uh, C11, we made adjustments there so that uh, they got to school in a more timely manner. We had C16, which was a loose bus that we had to make some adjustments uh, and we analyzed times and routes. Uh, and some of it, honestly, is like, what do you mean by adjustments? There, there are routes that happen and we know from working and living in Canton, if you go a certain way, and I've talked about this, Conley knew all the different routes to how do we get and avoid traffic on Washington and we have to go through and make these uh, different adjustments so a couple of these are simply rerouting so that they're avoiding some of our, our main traffic areas even going around um, there was like C11 for example we made some adjustments we provided some alternate transportation uh, for a home that was an outlier on the route that was 15 to 17 minutes off the particular route. This allowed us to open up and have some additional four stops within uh, a particular neighborhood area. Um, it was good to see sort of, that was a suggestion for some, from some parents as well. So that's happening. Um, we have uh, C8, oh excuse me, I flipped it. C8 is the one where we have some alternative transportation happening. That's why on the first week of October, that will shift a little bit and have that time frame tighten up uh, and be better. As all of these runs get shorter, uh, it impacts the next school. We started, we made sure GMS runs were on time. GMS has been in good shape. We got CHS in good shape. Today was a good marker day to see that. When those two schools are running well, then the rest of the routes happen. And now we're talking two schools plus St. John's and then the late school of Hanson to make sure all of those routes are in sync. So having the first two schools on track on time is, is a big start to the second wave of the runs. Um, 
you know, like I mentioned, target area-wise, C5, there was no, there's no change in that route. However, because the other C5 to St. John's was short and didn't have fewer stops, should get them to school on time, and then we'll stop the, the Hanson run uh, in a better way, which is addresses uh, one of our public comment concerns. So a lot of technical elements here. There's been targeted communication around particular updates. It does take some time and implementation to work things out. There have been uh, errors that, uh, that I don't find to be acceptable at all that have nothing to do with roots and sometimes behavior uh, as well, which we addressed. Uh, but I do have a regular email that goes out to first student that lays out the expectations for the day. And I'm also talking to the general manager, um, the regional general manager, to give input on things that we're working on, that there's teamwork, and then there's just levels of service that we expect a higher quality. Um, and uh, you know, I feel confident that we can get there. Um, the feedback uh, has been very helpful. The frustration is real, and we hope uh, you know that we can get to a place here where it is in sync and, and going well as we have to because as we enter into the winter season travel and bus transportation gets even tougher so i'm very hopeful um, we have seen improvement but it's not an acceptable level that's my report all right thank you for the You're report um, I, I think i have been following this very closely but i, I want to ask a couple questions just to, to clarify before um, taking some more comments and questions from the school committee and first is if you could just rough and tough um, uh, give us a sense of how much CPS administration time has been spent on this task, just yeah. generally. About 75% of the day. 75% of the day yeah. for how many weeks? Since the start of school. Since the start of school. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge amount of time, and I um, am not diminishing and I don't intend to, um, anyone's efforts in going above and beyond because 75% often involves all night long, all weekend, I understand. So the, the next question though, really for me personally, not speaking as the chair of the school committee, but me as a member, one person, is how accountable um, has first student truly been in terms of um, working side by side and making the same level executive leaders available to problem solve, mm -hmm. in your opinion? Yeah, it's right now, you know, we're working with them as partners, and I have found the person that I can talk with on a regular basis. Um, you know, I think, there's, I think there's room for improvement. Uh, right now I'm devoting my energy to making sure that the roots are, are done in the time. And the way I structure my day, and, you know, Mr. Marshall's not here. He's been out on, on bereavement. Um, so we, we have been uh, working with a, a smaller team with regard to that. But essentially, we check the runs in the morning. We see how things are going. I have a conversation. I provide a written report. You know, if a route is running off, um, and basically ask for the, the action reports afterwards by the afternoon. All right. So. C8 hasn't been late at the high school all year long. You know, it arrived two minutes late. Why did that happen? Okay, it, it's on a Dedham Street run. They ran into a, a stop of work. 
and then you just chart it and see it hasn't happened all the way through. Is it a pattern, is it an anomaly? Um, and how is that impacting? CNC 13, um, late each time the high school was very frustrating. We split up that route, C19 took part of that. So there's a strategizing, then you go into a normal course of day of meetings. We do a midday check and that's when uh, their team comes and works with our team on site and that's where some of the rooting mechanisms and that's where, you know, from, from, their, from their end, they, we have Brett McLeod, uh, who's in the office and is just wonderful and working our brains out and thinking so deeply and knowing the different routes and how you can avoid um, particular traffic. That conversation is happening uh, during the day and then we do a, a same action list around the end of the day run as well. So that's where I get to see, to me, I see every day, it's our goal. We gotta make sure our kids are on time, not just on time. My goal is 10 minutes before the start of school, at least five minutes, five minutes for traffic, five minutes for weather. Um, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to have them all be able to have recesses. Bus runs don't always run that way. What's important is we offer lunch, uh, breakfast in our schools. And one of the things that kids often will want and need, and we, we do it, uh, we hold breakfast, but they normally like to sit for a few minutes, have breakfast, it's free and offered to the kids. Um, you know, at, at St. John's, just starting the day on time is important. It, it, it sets some, it, it's like any type of school. Kids want to make sure that they have time to prepare mentally and get themselves settled. And when we feel rushed or we're late and it's just a routine, or if a bus doesn't do a pickup, uh, on a particular day or doesn't meet the mark and the parents have to to go and they have to get the work so they have to bring their child the whole thing is just um, quite frustrating you know but but right now first student has been a partner um, and you know collaborator and I, she had some honest uh, thoughts in the areas where uh, we need to have higher level of service they've responded up to this point um, all that it doesn't matter until the outcome for all of our families and all of our, our folks who are engaged with bus transportation until we meet that mark. That's why, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, what, what's the headline in this? Yeah, there's a great deal of improvement and we're spending a lot of time on it, but until we reach the level of service that we expect of ourselves and our families expect of us, it, it's still an intense amount of work that needs to happen. So it's just at an unacceptable level. I, um, I'll make a comment and then I want to pass it to the school committee. I mean, again, speaking not on behalf of the school committee, but as a member, I would say, and, and a couple things. One, I know um, your new superintendent doing a great job in this role without a ton of experience, obviously, in working with buses. In fact, this entire district might not have that experience because we, for years and years and years, only had one bid. Sure. And so we have the same bus company for all of these years, and there were persistent pain points and issues that parents had prior, different, um, that we believed at the time um, when we were discussing the contract would be solved, not anticipating that the most basic service that the busing company would provide would not happen. Um, for me, the, the, the thing that seems just most egregious, and I think you're a wonderful statesman, is that they have not been arm-in-arm -arm partner with you. 
right? And I realize well, you can't just up and fire someone, you can't just up and um, cut a contract because you need continuity of service. There are many levels, deep decision making and relationship management that need to happen. But I, for one, am just absolutely outraged that we would be here talking about this again, and they're not here to be partners in this. It doesn't feel like a partnership, and I don't know if that's a reasonable thing to ask, but it's their million dollar contracts, and um, the fact that our superintendent and staff are spending this much time, I'm grateful, but I feel they're being paid to provide a service that's fallen far short, and you're picking up the burden, and um, I would want them to step up, mm -hmm. and in my, like I said, person, my personal opinion, I'm not asking for a vote. Contracts in jeopardy. It's not acceptable. I think there should have been a plan. I think there should be after action reviews happening right now to figure out what's gone wrong. We should be honest about it and they should be here. Um, when there isn't service that's happening consistently, whether it's communications or it's delivery, um, that should be the exception to the rule, not the rule. You know, and it's okay for 10% or 5%. I mean, if it happens once in a while, but if we still haven't solved it, and they're not working harder than you are, there's no way that I don't think we could have known, maybe the after-action review would, would tell us that, that we would have been in this position because it appeared, signed the contract, uh, operations moving forward, they're planning the routes, it's all, everybody's doing the work that we could know we'd be here, but shouldn't they rise? You know, that, that's me not knowing about bus routes, but I, I do want to reflect the, um, the upset of the community. It is beyond unacceptable, and our, our hands are tied a little bit because we do need them to perform the service, but whatever else is necessary um, in terms of additional buses, additional funding, and then, like I said, looking at that contract again, that may be something we have to do. And I'm talking like change in a week, just in case they're watching. Right, anybody else? Sorry. It's uncharacteristic for me to say that, but I just had to. It's ridiculous. I agree. What a, within, can we require, request slash require, somebody from first student to be at future school committee meetings? Assuming. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think my personal opinion, again, just speaking as, as myself, is that that should be absolutely for it. Um, the other thing, and, and I'm not I, I completely on board with what's been shared here and, and the frustrations and everything, um, but knowing the percentage of time that you and the staff are, are spending on this and that there are already thousands of children in um, the Canton public schools themselves, is there a point person at St. John's that can be giving out messaging when you know there's an issue with a certain bus or route it would be my request if there isn't that there should be a point person who in the short term while this gets figured out is pushing the messaging out to, to St. John's families because you, you guys are one group of people you can't multiply yourselves by all the St. John's people as well however every parent of course should be getting the information so I think St. John's if, if there isn't somebody needs to have the point person responsible for that in the short term. To, to just send out the messaging so that if somebody from your office shares a particular route is having a challenge, they're pushing the info out to the St. John's families. And to build on that quickly, I would hope that that's supported by first student. 
Yes, correct, correct, because it goes back absolutely who is being to paid who is being to perform for the service. Exactly, for a student being responsible for it. Correct. Sorry, I'm not asking you to pile on, but do you have any other questions or comments? I do. <laughs> I know, I'm just waiting. I'm agreeing with everything you were saying, but do you have anything else? No. Okay. So I was taking up your notes, so I, I want to echo some of what has been said. I'm not going to be repeating it, but I think that we do need an executive ex escalation. Like, this should go up higher than whomever it needs to go, because going back to your examples of what the business world would be okay with, this is completely unaccept unacceptable. And I think that we need to figure out a way to either partner with them or figure out how we do not partner with them and figure out who can provide the service that we need for the community. And unfortunately, it does not sound like they are right now, or at least they're working with us, but not to the point where we're getting the satisfaction that we would expect. So at least perception is also very important. And there's a few things that I wrote down. I think that we need better communication and communication to everyone, maybe mass communication of an update. I know it's one more thing that we need to do, and the staff is already doing a million things, but just sharing that the work is happening so that people feel heard, but also how can we triage those messages that are getting unanswered? I think that that needs to be addressed. Um, I would love it if it's for a student answering the emails. Yeah. I don't know if they can, but somehow someone needs to be answering to, a, I would, freak out if I send an email and no one is responding within 24 hours or so. Uh, so I do think that I, I put myself in both sides, right? So I know that we have the staff that is completely inundated with emails and trying to actually run the routes, but that should be for a student. So how can we get some responsibility to be shared? I think that's important. And where, where can we reach? I've asked this last time, and I know Stephen gave his phone number and cell phone, but we cannot re tell the community, everyone calls Stephen to get an update right. on on the route. I, I don't think that's manageable or sustainable or acceptable, and he shouldn't be the person getting that phone call. We need it's to not the efficient out. use of time of a business manager. Mm -hmm. um, so those are things just from my perspective that I would like to see we can work on. So improving the communication, somehow SLA of saying, okay, we get an email, we're gonna respond back. How can we do an escalation to the executive level of first students so that we can, first student? First student. First student. Um, and I do think that some type of mass communication via email or some other way, not only apologizing, but sharing the, the fact that we know and that we've heard and that we're working to figure it out. Because we're saying it here, but not everyone's gonna be watching us tonight. And I think that they, the community deserves the acknowledgement. That would be what I would recommend. And just as a point of clarification, the reason why I had said um, I'm just one member and not speaking for the committee is because each one of us are entitled as obviously <laughs> elected public officials to be able to share our opinions and not have it be necessarily binding for the entire committee. Um, the role of a school committee is to oversee the the, the finance, the hiring and super, you know, oversight of the, su of the superintendent, the policies that we create, um, and, and budgeting, generally speaking. Uh, we are able to um, influence change at a macro level, but not at a managerial level. Uh, that's state law. And so I think this is not meant to be um, any kind of negative commentary in terms of, like I said, the hard work that administration has put in, but you know, from my opinion, 
I do think that um, it's just it's beyond disappointing that first student um, would not be front and center mm -hmm. and that we'd have hours and hours of our chief executive uh, which of course this speaks to your character um, and your willingness to be upfront but they, they should they should be meeting you if not beating you <laughs> in the commitment um, and so in terms of answering the phone calls, I'm not even um, suggesting that they take it all on in, in solo, but how can things improve in real time if they're not present to understand? That's... And there's a follow-up to technology, right? So we live in a technology world. What are we going to... Okay, we know that we do not have the information system at the district level to communicate with every parent. Can first student do that? Do they have a mass messaging system that we can maybe partner with them? I don't know that answer, but that might be a question. If they do have some way to reach out to the parents via text message, email, whatever, that we can do a better communication tree line, that would be helpful. I know the app, we talked about this app coming and the app's coming. I, don't, I also work in technology. I know how crazy it will be when we roll it out, but we need to prep for that because I do think the end result could be really helpful. When is that happening? That's also something that we're waiting on them, from what I understand, because the routes are being changed, and the reality is that if the routes are being changed and the app is running, it shouldn't be that hard to update it if it's a relatively good app that we have to be able to edit. But that I would want to see some of that, too, and just for them to give us an update as well. Last request, I would like to see guidelines in writing in terms of what they consider acceptable um, operations so that we can also make sure that we are in agreement. So, you know, so, some, some reasonable people might ask, why not have students um, in the route start earlier? I mean, it, just, just things like that where it 100% guarantees that they would be at school on time um, and have that acceptable level be 10 minutes prior or whatever it happens to be, but it would be better for clear communication if first student would say to us what they believe um, standard operating best practice looks like and whether or not they've achieved that. Christian, to that point, I think that it wouldn't be my expectation to start 10 minutes before if the route's going to be an hour and a half. So I think it's also timing of when the route starts yeah. and the length of the time that the kids are going to be in that bus. And trying to adjust for the yes. fact that many people ha are not riding the bus currently. Yes. And so mm -hmm. if it feels like the fix is in place, uh, let's take into account the variables that have happened in the last three weeks. So anyway. It's a uh, hot topic, definitely. It's a hot topic, and I, I don't want to be misunderstood in terms of my appreciation for the time and effort Absolutely. and how difficult this is and nobody... Um, would have, I'm sure, made this decision if we thought that this is where we'd end. But we need to figure out a way forward and quickly. So just let us know what we can do, yep. funding, being present, whatever, whatever is necessary. But I hope even this discussion is helpful in your conversations. I don't know if this is something we can do. Can we sign a letter as a school committee in, in support of the superintendent reaching out to first student looking for an executive meeting? I I think you can just can. I mean, you most certainly you could, but it, I don't. I okay. I don't think. Okay. I would be I mean, very I surprised that it would be a bad first step in yes. okay. bringing this to another level if there wasn't a response there. Okay. So, okay. let me do some groundwork, and if, if a letter is needed, 
we can certainly have that. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for your ongoing leadership on that issue. Problem. I've learned a lot about Excuse bus routes. I, I must know that it's great that everyone's input feedback, but we have not addressed safety. Nobody mentioned the children's safety here. And I'm not being critical of you, I'm just saying that our children, we still don't know if they're going to be safe to be in the bus. And at the end of the day, if Derek, you're sending me emails with um, a gentleman who is the data analytics manager, CC, everything that you discussed regarding routes, does anyone remember anything? I don't. We should be receiving a report each week showing that data. What I heard overall was that we have, what, seven, seven schools overall, about six schools overall, including St. John's, and based on what you communicated, two of those schools were working properly. We should be receiving as a community an overview, a report of what is broken, what is being fixed, and I'm not saying that I want to know every single bus stop, but everything that you just talked about, it, it, it means nothing without any data. Ms. Sanjeel, I'm so sorry to have to stop you, but we can't yeah. allow for public comment during the session itself. I have to have to rule you out of order. And I'm apologizing you are making great points. Is and there a Q&A ever going to happen on this bus catastrophe? This is so important. Like, is there any plan to have a, a community Q&A or a community forum to discuss? I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm going to, this is not, the, this is a, a public meeting and we have to follow the law in terms of how we operate open meeting law and so we cannot have a public discussion at the meeting we essentially allow the public to attend and view the meeting and then in, in Canton the tradition is that we have public comments so that we can hear from members of the community but the discussion is not meant to happen it's 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 sometimes hard to understand but we're, we're set up in search, such a way that we have to operate um, according to the law um, that said I think we understand the point and uh, we're going to make sure that we take every step to try to help address these issues as quickly as possible. Okay, I, I need to keep us moving. Yes. So the next item on the school committee agenda this evening is new business, and that is F3, superintendent goals. And so we have some new goals to yep. share, so yep. happy to hear about them. No problem. So this is, uh, this is the first wave of them. Uh, I'll be returning to you next meeting uh, with in cognizant of we have a couple of members that are not here but we want to make sure that the uh in each one of these goals student achievement goal district improvement goal and professional improvement goal uh they're all aligned to the standards in the rubric as we talked about in the evaluation uh, and then also action steps to achieve them our large project over the summer is the district action goals uh, those those are certainly the responsibility of us as a team, but uh, follow me as a, as a superintendent to make sure that there's monitoring and accountability with each, each one of those particular steps. These are a particular, this is an opportunity to have some focus areas around these three categories of student achievement, district improvement, and professional improvement. So just to state them, they are derived from data that derived uh, from many discussions and they do have links back to the district action goals, uh, but these are very specific. The first goal for student achievement is during the 2022-23 school year, Canton Public Schools will increase the percent of students scoring in the meeting or exceeding achievement range by 5%. So one of the telling aspects we were waiting for are MCAS results, and you can see 
in seeing all the results, we mirror the trends that happen uh, in Massachusetts. And one of the big impacts was you know, how COVID impacted achievement. 2019 scores, every school district is gonna be really striving to get back to that level of achievement. Um, and in 2019, we had a 65% level. This is over across all uh, the, the grades that take MCAS in the district. So it's a compilation percentage. And that was at 65%. We are now at 54.5%. When we did review the data, we felt it was attainable, um, but a high expectation goal uh, to up that overall by 5%. There's a couple of factors I think that are deeply involved in this, and that is uh, one, we're implementing a, a new curriculum, and when that happens, it can be an implementation dip. Um, but we were willing and we wanna focus on, on math um, uh, in this particular goal, and that's to, to move up uh, in that 5% range. The next aspect is there's a lot of great resources and a lot of great focus on instruction and data analysis embedded in the district action goals. Uh, and we really feel uh, as though uh, we can get there or show some level of improvement to achieve that, that 5%. So there's a lot that's baked in there as far as and connected to the district action goals, but this is something uh, I certainly want to take on with the team of educators and administrators in the district to see that MCAS math go up by 5% overall. Next, district improvement goal. And a lot of this, is, again, is derived from information in the report of entry findings. And one aspect in that report of entry findings was just our organizational structure. Each year, we open up school, and each year, trends and patterns happen. Uh, and oftentimes, if you don't take a step back and look at your organizational structure, you are uh, sometimes we're missing the opportunity to be more efficient, optimize, add roles, um, switch and change roles. So we've done, been doing that on a smaller basis uh, in our work. Um, but one of the things that we really want to do is do an overall organizational structure review. Uh, and we see some opportunity. And I, I wrote specifically around human resources. You know, we talked about that last budgeting. We have some more things to talk about to really optimize that. We have 542 employees. We're the largest employer in the town. It's gonna to be a really, really important aspect um, uh, to develop a plan for restructuring and improvement. Timeline-wise, it's something that we have to, it will involve some, some budget requests and budget elements. So we wanna make sure that uh, that's side-by-side -side with that budget timeline and then bring to fruition and make some recommendations both internally and to the committee with regard to how to maximize this. And ultimately, it's we're not just running an organization to run an efficient organization. It really is about making sure that we have a great professional culture and take care of the staff, and also that we are providing the best environment for our students to learn. So that, that's one aspect. And then professional improvement goal. Uh, as a new superintendent, I'm in year two. It's a three-year program and that's for the new superintendent induction program. Uh, we just had our first in-person class. Have a good night. And then we just also had our first uh, virtual coaching table. So both of those things, I have found it um, incredible. I, we met as a community, Mary Bork, who's my coach, she's back this year. Um, call her and, and we talk once a week and we go over either something that's there or an area where there's a uh, room for development and discussion and talk. 
But that professional improvement goal, uh, I really appreciated what I learned last year. Even just coming into the first class, I felt so much more prepared. You have a coaching table, you have the same coaches, you have the same other superintendents that are sharing their experience. So those are uh, three, um, three goals that I'm looking forward to working on and I think can pay some dividends within the district. Okay, wonderful. Uh, thank you. And I actually want to applaud uh, the fact that we now have a student achievement goal in the mm -hmm, district right. that is as yep. bold as naming um, a potential target for percentage increase um, in terms of achievement. So fabulous. And uh, to focus on math, you can't get more quantitative than that. So um, thank you for being willing to use data. And then, yep. of course, um, help rally folks towards a shared vision. Uh, can you talk to us just a little bit about how you think you might get there? Sure. I go back to the district action goals. There's an incredible focus on instruction and, and data analysis and capacity. Um, something I can tell you, having Mr. Fogel who does that work and able to disaggregate and have conversations and really, um, we worked on talking about messaging. And, and Data tells the story of our student learning, you know, about their growth and trajectory, about their needs, um, and to have the opportunity to really sit with all principals and department heads during retreats and look at that and, and be able to disaggregate um, by our different, different demographics of students, um, by the standards that we're leading in and that we're lagging in, uh, and that over a pattern of years we have not performed well or possibly have. Uh, it, it is so targeted and powerful. And the one, the one aspect that um, we worked on as a team is we, we are not in business. This is, it, the data cannot be just seen as that. We want to make sure this is very much humanized and, and personal. Right? I had a mentor that told me, just remember, you're in the business of people. Right? And so when we look at data, we, we see different trends and performance levels but there's always a student behind that performance level. So that's one part of it. There is a collective responsibility on our part as educators that this gives us great insight into the needs of our students, those that, that are ready for more and those that may need more to, to get where they uh, want to be and to, to get those either meeting or exceeding expectations. Right? And then there's, then there's also the collective responsibility that the data shows us around our performance as professionals and where we can grow uh, from that end. Just that level of understanding and have dedicated collaborative time where this uh, work is happening, there's a capacity that is moving at a, at a greater rate than I've ever seen before in an understanding. Part of it is Mr. Fogel is pretty good at what he does, um, not here with us yeah, tonight, but he's, he's uh, easy to learn with, he's funny when he presents, and uh, you know, there's a part <laughs> of sitting at the table uh, that the team's laughing up there because he, he truly gets so excited and passionate about it that um, you know when he sits with with teachers you there's a there's a comfort level and that opens the door for being able to look at it um, there's accountability on our, our end I think we have a lot of um, you know screeners and, and benchmarking assessment that has not been done uh, and is still new to the district and just really pays dividends their pulse checks about where kids are, and um, that's a data point uh, as well. Uh, and then you go into the goal around instruction. You can tell them I'm a little passionate about this because I think when you think about it, 
the, the work on professional learning and us elevating our, our ability to, to be the strongest instructors possible, that's what elevates achievement level. Um, you know, and, and as we come out of COVID, I gave a message on opening day about, you know, when we see challenges, you need to look forward. Right? We all went through a, a lot. But this is our prime opportunity to really invest in ourselves as instructors and educators and invest in our students and invest in every means we can to make sure that we, we get their learning levels and their achievement levels and their growth and their trajectory uh, really working at a higher level. Um, so it's been fun and exciting and it, it's not pie in the sky stuff. There's very um, actionable elements that are, that are happening. Even just hearing that agendas are so sound and high quality during professional development day and they're so aligned with work that we've established as priorities, that means a great deal. We talk about impact of the, the PLC group. It, it showed through in that agenda. It shows through in our strategic work. So we're just really excited about that. Fabulous. And we look forward to receiving updates yep. throughout the year that help us know how we're doing. We don't want to be afraid of focus and, and goal setting, uh, for sure. It's not meant to be punitive, but more of a rallying cry to, to kind of help um, get focused, um, folks focused on a common goal. So we really do appreciate that. Yep. I think um, the district improvement goal that focuses on organizational structure and HR is fantastic. We've got a strategic plan that's uh, going to be put in place and every once in a while you do have to look and see are we using our resources most appropriately and we as a school committee I think appreciate the opportunity to optimize a structure that will help deliver the the vision that you've put together with the team mm -hmm. and then finally I, I just want to say about the professional improvement goal just as a reminder I actually think we are uh, incredibly lucky as a town a district to have a superintendent who is going through the new new superintendent induction program there is something to wisdom in years in the seat but there is also something to um, being fresh and um, getting the kind of mentorship that you do through a program like that where you have and I will say not just through NISAP but also in our strategic planning process multiple experienced superintendents mentoring and, and helping us along the way so we have both the benefit of fresh thinking in the most current knowledge about topics that matter, yep. willingness to try, and the benefit of wisdom and experience guiding along the way. So I'm just thrilled that you're participating in that and again you're continuing to lead in the way you have. Is there a focus for year two and was there one for year one? Yeah, the, year one was a, a, a great deal of, uh, you know, they had all different quadrants of the scope of your job, so understanding where that is, understanding where you have inherent high school level and where you're going to be working um, and learning. Uh, and it was interesting to see where everyone landed. You know, someone felt comfortable with uh, teaching and learning and instruction, or um, you know, the the public element of it uh, and the community relations. There, there was all different elements. So there was that part. Then the, they shifted to um, entry plan of findings ways to, to collect data, and then how that um, really feeds into strategic planning. That was the majority of, of the time spent there. Uh, and then there was a greater deal, amount of, a great amount of time uh, attributed to equity and 
uh, we did a lot of vetting actually for the, the DESI uh, and MASS uh, Ready Project, uh, which is a framework that I'm going to introduce uh, to the committee and to the community, and it's a really nice guiding document around different ways to look, um, to work in conjunction with the equity audit, but just very actionable uh, steps of, of which domain you might be working on, what can happen there. So the work around equity has been quite pronounced and making sure that there's an understanding and using the levers to ensure that all students really have very successful outcomes and not just saying it, but like the moves that you can make and the data that will show it and the policy looks and, and the lens that you have to for that. The first session here, I have to say, um, we focused on instruction and the instructional core uh, and then we did uh, work around equity as well. And then the coaching table is usually a problem in practice. So one, you know, a superintendent brings something forward, so a gentleman brought uh, something forward, and you use a consultancy protocol to kind of pick it apart, you end up learning, and that superintendent walks out with hopefully a solution he's gonna get back to us about how it all plays out. But that's, um, that's how it works. And then the coaching sessions that happen, um, those focus areas could be really anything. It's kind of like she gives a little time to something in the moment and then something to think about. And she does it all within one hour really effectively. Wow. So that's wow. the class. <laughs> well, thank you for that information. I actually didn't know and uh, appreciate it and you just that much more. Uh, any other comments or questions from the school committee? No. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So do we need to vote on those goals or we just accept them? So uh, if it's okay with the, the group that we have here, I think I would love the opportunity to have the standards embed them and have the action steps there mm -hmm. uh, and then vote on them. Okay, so um, come back to oh, us. Right, I mean, you can yeah. vote on them now, but I think if I were in your seat, I would want to see some of the other pieces and parts to it and the, the check-in points. But I mean, from the from a goal perspective, you could take a vote. I'm still coming back next meeting with with those next parts. So we really appreciate that. The choice is yours. I'm yeah. Sure. I'm happy to lock it in place. All right. I'll, I'll take <laughs> However, a I'll take a vote if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Let's make some progress. Okay. Good. All right. Awesome. So um, can I get a motion to? approve the superintendent goals as presented for the 2022-2023 school year. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. It's an aye for me, three zero. They are approved and we Thank do you. look forward to learning yes. more. You got it. Thank you. Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. One more. Don't worry, I do this. Robust Perfect. agenda Thank always. Um, okay, so the next item on our agenda is the policy section C first read. So as mentioned before, we have the entire policy subcommittee here with us. Uh, do you wanna, do, did you want to do the protocols? Oh, oh, thank you. See, I just Sorry. did it. I did, this is what happens every I time. I, I, I get to where I want to be in the agenda, and I just read that one. So, yeah, we're running a little bit behind, and I'm sorry. I'm going to move backwards. F4, school committee operating protocols. So it does say vote here, which is interesting because this is really something that is voluntary and non-binding. Mm -hmm. But for um, procedure... It may make sense to take a vote just to make sure that we are all in alignment. Okay. For the, the public's 
information. One of the things that we haven't had as a school committee are general operating protocols. It is optional. Um, and they're meant to be just um, a framework that helps on board and then remind school committees about the way in which we um, behave, what our role should be um, in terms of who we represent, what the limits of our authority are, uh, how we conduct our business, how we communicate, and how we choose to improve and what we might do when things go wrong. It's meant to be a living document. As I said, it's not policy, so it is not binding, but we did uh, identify as part of the, the work that we've been doing in looking at operational effectiveness that this is a tool that we could use and just haven't had. So we drafted and then we discussed in a workshop and uh, that is what is included in the packet this evening. I wonder if there are any questions or comments about it from the committee. I'm wondering if we wanted to vote if we wait until all five members are here. Yeah. Possibly Yeah, we it. can do that. Although they were at their workshop and they participated. but. Happy to wait for them. And you know, to that end, I will say they were at the workshop, participated, and then we've had it as an open item in housekeeping exactly. for, that's, that's, I don't know how many weeks, been. three weeks, um, well, for any feedback, which we've not received. Right. So. With that said, I agree, let's, if we want to vote on it, then yeah. I'm and then moving forward. We'll vote, I think it's procedural, but I think it's worthwhile. And sure. if there are any changes, that, open, that discussion is completely open, so mm -hmm. our members are not bound. Although at the time, everybody seemed to ex agree that we were in the right place. Yes. Some typos fixed. <laughs> okay. So with that, can I get a motion? So moved. One second. All in favor? Aye. It's an aye from me. Three zero. The school committee operating protocols drafted originally July 18, 2022, uh, with amendments made after the workshop, are approved. Thank you. We're just rocking and rolling. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we're going to talk about <laughs> F5, the policy section C first read. Which you were so excited about this that you wanted it first. I'm always excited about policy, <laughs> just so you know. I love it. Okay, so we, um, policy committee met last week remotely to, to review this. And as you see in front of you, all the, the marked up changes, um, it's a relatively short session. Okay, can you talk to us just a little bit about any any member of the talk to us, talk to me. <laughs> talk to the community. <laughs> yes. Sorry, talking in third person like Bob Dole. Um, can you talk to talk to us uh, the community just a little bit about what is entailed in this section um, C. And the reason I say it is because the members of the community, this is posted on our website in terms of it being an open review. And if members were to have questions or want to direct any ideas or commentary to the policy subcommittee, they certainly could. But would you just talk a, a bit about what's included and the type of changes that are being suggested? I think I'll start. There's a, there's a big focus on the superintendent role mm -hmm. in here um, and how there's that relationship with school committee. Um, there's a lot of um, crossouts and, and deletions here, uh, and we follow and work with the MSC, MASC rep Jim Hardy, uh, and we aligned most of these updates with MASC. Um, what I, I think I've said this before. What I like about him is that he'll ask 
uh, he'll say this is this is pretty much a, a standard language that you might want to adopt here in Can, or this is one that you want to have some flexibility. So there were some small edits um, all the way through. One one big aspect he didn't feel as though the job description of the superintendent would land in policy. Um, so that's why that is a, a large removal. It just lands in the HR realm versus in policy. Sure. Um, what's more important is the evaluation of the superintendent, and that, that lands in a policy. So the, you'll see there's an update from what was Canton uh, to what's now uh, language that's being proposed. I'm trying to think of some other areas. There's some other uh, policy updates in, in just a little bit of updates on how handbooks are, are handled um, in, in timelines and, and such. But other than that, it, it's a, it was a smaller uh, subset of policies and uh, truly nothing uh, large, large, large in each area. The biggest thing was, I think, the removal of just the updates of uh, the removal of the job description and the updates around handbooks. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Any other discussion? I would agree with that. No, it was a uh, few different changes to get it standard with how we're updating the rest of the policy um, to reflect the right language and wording and grammar and that type of thing. I think that was pretty much and removing the job description, which shouldn't be there. Okay, wonderful. Um, this is a legit first read for me as we've been very busy with um, some other work streams, and so I look forward to digging in. And thank you all for your work on this. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. We'll save that and move to a second read for the next session. Okay, moving back to public comment for just a moment, I'd like to ask if the person who was Mary Vickery, Mary Vickery originally planning to comment has since joined the stream. Okay, thank you. Then we are going to move forward. All right, next on our agenda is our Director of Finance and Operations report, as previously mentioned, um, we do not have our, our business manager, Mr. Marshall, here with us this evening, and we send our condolences, our deepest sympathies to him and his family during this difficult time. Uh, Mr. Folan will deliver the report. Thank you for that. No problem. So there were a number of things uh, that Mr. Marshall was going to report on and agenda items, uh, but the, the one thing that I, I wanted to uh, leave on here was uh, just a, a quick update for the committee uh, regarding our residencies recertification update. Uh, so per our policy, our residency policy, uh, when children enter the school system, be it, um, you know, uh, kindergarten or, or otherwise, there's uh, three sets of documents that you have to provide for residency. We then do a check on that residency uh, as students move out of fifth grade into sixth grade and then out of eighth grade into ninth grade. So that's work that starts in the, the springtime, but for the most part, uh, people really dig into it over the summertime. Um, and it's important. It's important work to assure uh, that the, the students that are within our district um, reside in Canton, and uh, we have a healthy, respectful process for that. Um, and so that's something that happens each and every year. Uh, I'm happy to report CHS has 100% compliance where they are with regard to that response rate. Um, the middle school is at 90% right now in reviewing, and they are in touch with the, the families uh, that have not filled all the paperwork out. Um, 
It does not mean that that 10% do not live in Canton. Uh, for the most part, we know these families. They, they've been here for a while. And sometimes um, uh, folks need to have be walked through about making sure what they know they need for the particular documents. We just hired a home to school interventionist for the middle school. Uh, and that role plays a critical element where they sometimes meet with the family and uh, help them understand what paperwork or work with the landlord or uh, have all different circumstances that are happening. Um, so, you know, we're confident that, that that can get done. We've been working with the, the principal on it. We have the supports on it. Um, the one thing about it that we, we always want to do, these are kids and it's important work and, we, and these are families as well. So we don't want ever go in making any assumptions. We are, we have very, very high standards and high expectations. But when you sit at the table and you have these discussions about recertifying, it's not a judgmental or anything aspect of that. Uh, it is simply like walk it through. And if there's a case where uh, we find that someone doesn't live in Canton anymore, uh, we're very clear about that expectation and then we help them transition uh, to the, the school that they, that they are attending where they are living. Uh, so it's a really good process. I'm happy with the where we are for numbers. I'm happy to come back to with where we are in, in say a month, uh, but I'm confident that we always get there. Uh, and what I like is it's a it's a policy that instills really high expectations uh, and integrity within our district, and it also is done with a lot of respect for families as well. So that's the update there for the re, uh, recertification. Thank you. I appreciate um, getting an update also about the percentage compliance. Mm -hmm. I know there are some um, folks who may either it be perception or reality um, have questions about um, uh, the 100% compliance in terms of the number of students who may be in town who mm -hmm. may not be residents. And I know you take this very seriously. Mm -hmm as would we, we want to make sure our taxpayer dollars are going towards um, children who mm -hmm. legitimately sleep and reside yep. in Canton. That's right. Using great discretion and care for individuals, mm -hmm. what would you suggest is the right course of action or contact for any student, family, faculty member who may have a question related to that topic, mm -hmm. who so, should they call? Uh, I would start with the principal you know, and, and work through there. And I think there's information. This is not about, um, there's different ways in, if there's a concern about residency that things are brought forward. What I always ask about folks, and we're very um, thorough and comprehensive with regard to our investigations. We, do them all the time uh, and we follow up on you know if a, a piece of mail comes back or there's there's other uh, elements that come forward bring that to the principal uh, and then that is a, a investigation that we do we do it in conjunction with our school resource officers as well uh, and administration there is a process for that it is laid out in our policy so it's not a very arbitrary action it is laid out specifically uh, and then we make a determination. So the one thing that we always talk about with folks with residency is owning a house 
here or owning property here or owning a business and paying taxes, that's not the that's not the standard that the state sets for residency. Residency is where you lay your head down. And uh, that's an important uh, element. And if you are with someone who is, is uh, not your parents per se, if there's a, a guardian situation or a relative, there is a caregiver affidavit that must be completed. And there's a lot of verification on that on that end. So uh, to that end, you know, there, there's other considerations as well. There's a law called McKinney-Vento, uh, which um, provides uh, assurance for uh, an education for students that are homeless. So there are students that may not live in Canton, but they are protected under this law, and we provide transportation, and they come here. And that's a, a full and through process as well. Uh, but anything that needs a level of investigation, work that through the principal. They again then get in touch with me, and we start our steps for that. And uh, what we find during that investigation is, is something that we act on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. No problem. Appreciate it. Could I volunteer yes. a comment? Yes. Just please. As we are sharing with the community. I think that. I don't know more and more, but it might be situations where you're going to have children that have a split family situation mm -hmm. too, and they're going to spend some time in Canton, might mm -hmm. be residing most of the time in Canton, mm -hmm. but they also might see their other family, either parent or guardian in a different town. So I, I just share that because I think the sensitivity around who could be considering someone else for an investigation should be taken into consideration that there mm -hmm. might be more to that situation for each child. So just that awareness of how we deal with um, judging that child that has really nothing to do with making them feel not a part of. Absolutely. Wonderful point. Thank you for making it. Any other commentary? Okay. Any other updates? No updates. That was just a singular item there. Okay, wonderful. Moving on to the next item on the agenda, it is our consent agenda. Mm -hmm. And on it we have the regular session minutes from August 25th, September 1st, and September 8th, 2022. We have the executive session minutes, September 8th, 2022, and warrant dated September 23, 2022. Would anyone like to remove an item for further discussion or editing? Okay, hearing none, may I get a vote to approve the consent agenda? So moved. I second. And all in favor? Aye. Aye. For me, three zero, the consent agenda is approved. Next up on the list is item J, the update from our subcommittee task force and or liaison posts that we all spend time nurturing and being part of. Uh, let's start with Ms. Arvalita. What updates might you have from so the work that you do? So mine are going to be quick. Uh, we're working towards our first SWAG meeting, hopefully getting that scheduled for next um, the next two weeks. We're dealing on around schedules, but that will be taking place very soon. And we talked about our policy update, so I don't think that we need to provide any yet. No, nothing additional to the review that happened has been taking place. We'll continue to meet every other week, and we'll continue to review the policy. 
Ms. Howard. I'll second that point. We're meeting again for policy <laughs> next week. Um, as far as communications go, the ad was in the newspaper last week. And uh, I, in the last couple of days, Thank have you. been scanning in all the versions because obviously the files existed for creating the ad, but the actual run of it and the image of, of how it ran has all been scanned in. So that will all go to the, the website. Um, those are all on my desktop here, actually. <laughs> and if you have our next scheduled section, I think I mentioned this before, would be the fall sports. But if there's anything that any committee member has as a suggestion before then, please let me know because we certainly could, could run in, and not just in the citizen but if there's something else a program book or show of support something like something, okay. something like that um, and then the last thing is a CPC CCPC update and I'd like to read a statement of mine that's coming just from me uh, regarding CCPC the situation surrounding the pre-app process and possible CPA funds disbursement has been in flux recently I have stayed away from giving public updates during about this during school committee meetings because of that status. I feel I need to speak now though because I'm very disappointed that misinformation and incomplete information about CCPC are being spread by people. Although I was not able to be in attendance for the August CCPC vote, the subsequent external actions uh, and one internal action since then feel to be very partisan attacks on people that are unnecessary and seem to be very unprofessional. And while none of us in, on the committee, and certainly no one, is perfect, we all, as unpaid CCPC volunteers, appointed by selected committees within the town, have in mind what is best for Canton. Our hands were tied earlier in the year by the lack of market pay correction for our well-serving administrator who led and organized many, many aspects for many years. That role requires skill and lots of knowledge. It is not an easily replaced position, especially with pay significantly below market value for that level of knowledge and expertise. I am hopeful that the misinformation and drama have come to an end or are coming to an end, um, and the real true root of the issue and the discussions um, being the pay issue from earlier this year, in my opinion, is publicly acknowledged so that we can move ahead, move forward successfully as we always have for the community. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Really hope that there is uh, a resolution soon because the work that CCPC does, and of course all of our public servants, is deeply appreciated, but that's a huge, um, it's a benefit to the town. So I hope it does resolve. Thank you. Me too. Any other updates? That's all I have. Okay. Thank you. In terms of updates from me, I, I guess I will just say that regarding the negotiation team, we continue to uh, meet and uh, care deeply about uh, coming to a um, wonderful resolution with our educators that benefits students and all of our staff and the community. And we've been meeting for nine months and uh, are looking forward to continued conversation. So. That, that work is ongoing and um, we are in the thick of it now. Uh, in addition to that, I'll say that next week, or the next time we meet, now that we have our superintendent goals, I will be 
uh, providing an updated document with dates and so forth on what the superintendent evaluation process will look like for the year ahead. So we'll have that and then the committee can discuss as well, obviously in conjunction with um, Derek to make sure that we are on the right track and we begin with the end in mind. So that will be coming. Um, the only other update that is of significance right now is just to remind, and this is really sort of on behalf of um, Ms. Gallagher, who could not be with us tonight, as, and I should also say um, Ms. Moran, who we, we are both, um, we are missing both, but we understand their absence. Uh, but on behalf of Ms. Gallagher, I wanted to say that the Massachusetts Association of School Committees is hosting here at the high school mm -hmm. library. library at just about 8 o'clock, mm -hmm. I think it's 8.15, yep. uh, this Saturday, the Charting the Course um, Orientation Program for school committees. I actually may try to attend. Mm -hmm. It's required for any new member who joins a school committee, but also uh, I believe it is recommended, if not required, um, every three years or so. And so anyway, anybody who's interested in that, it is right here in town. I spoke to Mr. Kucher this morning uh, who asked if maybe I'd be around to say hello to folks, and if I am, I certainly will. But anyway, that's an update that that is happening, and we are thrilled to be hosting. I'm not sure that we have before, and it just further strengthens the relationship that we have between that organization and ourselves. So, great to have. Okay, um, that is all for me. Yep. Superintendent Folan. You can catch Senior Breakfast, too, if you come. It's happening at the same time. <laughs> just kind of letting you know. Um, Thank you. No problem. They can all chart the course, too. Right. right. <laughs> Uh, two items here to mention. Uh, I've mentioned and, and thanked uh, CASA. Uh, it's a community group, uh, Canton Alliance Against Substance Abuse. Uh, we had our first meeting, uh, and Chief Rafferty is going to be the chair. I will be the vice chair. Um, we see that as a, a strong way to have some partnership in the involvement of the schools. Uh, but we also talked about some goal setting. Uh, it was nice. We just had a really large group in, in attendance. Our uh, new wellness coordinator, Adam Hughes, attended it as well. Uh, so um, it was fantastic and off to a really good start. Uh, the next one was we had our, our first CAPE and CAP leadership meeting this week. Uh, we have a lot of new uh, folks who have stepped up. We're really appreciative of that. Uh, again, having some goal setting, we had some action steps that we had to get back to from uh, the previous year. I just think we, we are building some really good strides. And there's um, all different skill sets around the table. So there was just some really nice insight on how to um, develop some greater volunteerism. Um, and the, the folks who do their work uh, provided some insight, just saying, you know, some of the traditional methods or messaging around it, uh, especially with the younger generation of parents, uh, it was insightful about how my brain was thinking, like, let's have them uh, get involved. and. Uh, one of our new presidents, like, so she's involved in nonprofits. So we actually do studies around how to get this generation of parents involved. And what will strike them is not just a review of what was been done, but a, an ask of what ideas do you have and what might you want to create. Um, we all did the oh around the table, <laughs> um, and we did a lot of learning. But there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of thanks here. They have a great impact and a lot of interaction with our administration educators, and they bring us great things, and we're looking forward to what's ahead. So, great group. 
That's happening. great to hear that the volunteerism. Yeah, this was a big push of ours last year. But then yeah, yeah, it's 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 nice to see new folks step up because there's volunteerism and then there's these leadership roles and right. there's a lot that's involved in Absolutely. it. Um, and they're excited and they they've made some headway. They were at uh, the Canton Farmers Market uh, when uh, we were there um, on that back to school day and they had great foot traffic. They were really happy about mm -hmm. some of the folks that wrote their name down and they were really smart. They've reached out very strategically to some of those folks that showed enthusiasm and uh, they got some really good events coming back. Like I said, they're a great group to work with. That's awesome and the idea that they'll um, not only invite members but uh, invite ideas and ownership for, for new ideas yeah. and um, new events and so forth uh, is fantastic. So thank you for continuing to meet with them and build that relationship. All right. Uh, so the next item is other business. Does anyone have a topic that we have not reasonably anticipated they would like to discuss? Okay, hearing none, move on to future business item L. Uh, the next open session meeting is scheduled for Thursday, October 6, 2022 at 6 p.m. We'll see you all then. And now we can adjourn. Do I have a motion? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 For me. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Thank night. You. Thank you. Thank you.